everybody. We are we have our second in between episode, the first time ever that we've had that in a season. So it's season six in between episode two. And I have Stacey Penn with me from Amy, which is the Association of Mortgage Intermediaries. It's lovely to have you with us, Stacey. Hi. Hi. Um, so we are going to be talking about Amy's recent report on mortgages and protection. This is the Practical Protection Podcast. So Stacey, how's it been? I think it's probably been quite an intense week, hasn't it? Because this report was released and, um, and I'm sure you've been busy. Yes, it has been a busy week. I'm not quite sure what day it is. It's been a bit of a blur, but it's been very positive. In terms it's Friday, of... don't worry, it's Friday. We get a rest. <laughs> Nearly the weekend, <laughs> nearly there. But yeah, it's been really positive to get our third viewpoint report out there. Yeah. Um, consistent messages, and I'll go, I'll go into a bit more depth uh, during the podcast, yeah. um, what we've seen. Um, so yeah, it's been great. Feedback's been really positive. Um, and if anyone hasn't listen to the event or read the report then it is out there fantastic well maybe so I can have a chat at some point about where people can try and get a hold mm -hmm. of it and things like yeah. that um so I think what'd be really good to sort of start off with because you know I think you know some people will know what Amy is some people won't um but it'd just be really good first of all to just get to know you a little bit sort of find out a bit about yourself your background how you ended up at Amy Yes. So I originally came from an insurance background. So I worked as an insurance broker, but dealing with high net worth insurance. So yeah. fancy houses and cars. I did that for around eight years, which was great. And I found my passion for insurance. Um, but I got to the point where I saw this job come up at Amy for a policy advisor. And I really love reading and writing, which is very much what this role involves. You have to love that part. And because of my insurance background, it then felt that I was a good fit to really help build the focus from an Amy perspective on the insurance side. And that's where it led to then me being involved with the first viewpoint, which was back in 2020. And I've now been lucky that we've been able to do that for another two years. Um, I also get involved in the, the mortgage stuff as well. So consumer duty, that's a big one at the big moment. one at the moment, very, very big one. Yeah, so uh, working alongside my colleagues on that in terms of just trying to get to the bottom of exactly what this means for our sector. Um, and in terms of what we do at Amy, we're a regulatory and lobbying trade body. So we exist as the voice of the broker. And we represent intermediary firms rather than the individuals. And we have strong links into the likes of the FCA, into government departments like Treasury, where we are really to help, really, really there to help them understand um, the viewpoint from brokers. And we'll respond to consultations. We'll work with other trade bodies um, to develop those relationships. That sounds uh, obviously really really good incredibly important to make sure we get that message of everything out there i know one of the things in the protection space that we uh, we try to do so much as well as try and uh, especially things like income protection trying to get that message to to so many different bodies into the into the governments and different areas and group insurance as well it's just so key to try and get that message out there to say look this could be so helpful in a sense across society and uh, as you say give those viewpoints which is um which is yeah. brilliant um 
So obviously you've released, just released the, the Amy Protection Viewpoint Report and some obviously incredibly insightful stuff in there. So I think it'd be good for us to sorry, kick off with that, what we're all hearing about, and I've mentioned it a little bit, the FCA's consumer duty principle and what it means for protection, what it's going to mean on the mortgage space, kind of what's your, what's, what's the viewpoint on that? So I think just generally with the FCA's consumer duty, it's important for people to remember that it's not about reinventing the wheel. We've still got the requirements that are in there and for those that are close to it, things like MCOB and ICOB. Um, So that's not going to change. What the consumer duty is about is making sure we're empowering customers to make decisions that are in their best interests. And I think as advice firms we are in a really good position we're starting from a good place doesn't mean that we won't have work to do um, but I do think it should be seen as a way to um, make improvements as an opportunity to see where we can and it it links to a lot of things in the viewpoint particularly around communication um, and ensuring things like products are being sold to the right target market all of that Um, and I'd say with protection. Um, One thing that we've raised in the viewpoint report is around this cross-cutting rule that says about avoiding causing foreseeable harm. And I do think firms will have to think about how they're structuring their protection conversations to make sure that they are delivering that so that the customer has enough information to make that decision. So they're walking away from that conversation thinking, right, these are my options. I understand the risks. And now I've got to make a decision with the help of my advisor about what I'm going to do. So I do think firms, particularly mortgage firms, are going to have to think more about the products that they're discussing. I think typically it has been easier to discuss things like life insurance, critical illness. So I do think income protection will form an important part of that. No, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, from, from our point of view as an advisor, I mean, we always, again, life insurance, criticalness, income protection, so valuable. But for us as a firm at Cura, we kind of see, obviously, it's always individual to the clients and their circumstances, but we kind of see as more like life insurance and income protection as leading the way. And, and obviously, critical illness cover is incredibly important. But I think sometimes that that's kind of seen as just like a little bit of a side thing, whereas we try and really try and bring that to the front as much as possible and one of the things that I do as well in my training when I'm chatting to people and I'm talking about all of these things because when I I do training it's a complete mix of people it's mortgage advisors it is other protection advisors it's wealth people wealth advisors and and one of the key things that I say is that I mean as with anything with the things like the FCA consumer duty for me you've got you've probably got your firms who are already pretty much there or you've got your firms who aren't necessarily there right now and some who may be to be honest some who maybe aren't too fussed about being there and you've kind of got that thing of well we're going to have to if we're going to try and make this really work there's there's kind of like two angles to it we either we're going to have like people who genuinely want to do well by their clients and they're going to do it it's really going to be the heart of what they do or there's going to be others who are maybe going to need a little bit more umph behind it in a sense and um, we're waiting to see what the translators uh, sorry as the transcribers even <laughs> put that ahead as with the umph. um it's just sort of like why to do this so when I'm doing my training one of the things I say to people is I personally wouldn't want to go up against the final financial ombudsman service up against the falls if the complaint came in to say well there's didn't do protection on this mortgage and actually now I'm the the widow I've got children, I'm about to lose my home, 
but they didn't even talk to me about it. They didn't give me, or they did talk, but they, I told them this was my budget and they didn't give me an option that actually fit my budget. They just said, pay this or don't get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think stuff like that is really going to sort of like probably come into, you know, so people need to think about that. This isn't just a case of, you know, or there's yet another rule coming into place or things like that. It is a case of there's lots of protection, not just for the client, but for the firm themselves and for the advisor themselves too. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, this is all about putting yourself in the consumer's shoes. So I think what you've just said there, imagine if you did get a conversation months or years down the line where your customer said, this has happened to me. I found out from your website that you could have spoken about this product that could have helped me and we didn't have this discussion. And it comes back, a key part of the consumer duty is being able to evidence and monitor the outcomes that your customers are receiving. And I think that is a shift from what firms are used to. Um, It's nothing to be scared of. I think firms will just need to think a bit more about the information they're collecting and to monitor it. So learn from the insights that you're receiving from the data you're collecting and think, oh, can I make some tweaks here to this process or this part of my business to help improve that overall journey and process? Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably like a key, some people might think, where do I even start with this? I mean, I suppose a key area is to stop, like start looking at the uh, key persistency ratios and rates and Mm. everything that people have. So, you know, from a company level, from um, an advisor level, potentially even from an insurer level. So you can just double check that whoever's setting these policies up are understanding the products properly that the insurers are offering and they're not suddenly cancelling. You know, that in itself will then you know, if you do some really deep insight into that, it will identify training areas. Because um, even with anybody, even if you had absolutely perfect conversion rates and everything and getting people signed up, there's always area for improvement. Um, I think it's quite fair to say that something that we struggle as um, with is an industry is that we often, in a sense, preach to the converted. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it is a case of a lot of the people who turn up, it's probably like a lot of the people who are going to listen to this are probably people who are already thinking I want to do the right thing I want to make sure that I'm reaching these kind of these yeah. principles I want to know what's going on in the market and really be on top of it rather than just waltzing along with <laughs> with whatever's <laughs> happening and you know I think um an area that we've always said so that I mean there's that from the advisor space but then also from the consumer base as you were saying you know potentially encouraging people to see the value of protection um and things like that is trying to grab the attention of groups that we've yeah. not necessarily been able to tap into yet. So there's been, I know, especially for the last few years, there's been quite a drive on trying to access sort of like the the younger generations. And I mm-hmm. so people who are 18 to 34 and that perception that protection is really important. Now from that age group, we're probably more talking things like the critical, especially more the income protection side of things rather than necessarily the need for life insurance. Um, but that is sort of, that key area group, that 18 to 34 year olds, their perception of protection insurance, what's kind of going on? What's being seen in this space? Yeah, so it's something that we explored in our recent viewpoint research. And we found that it was around a third of customers aged 18 to 34 without protection said that they are too young for protection. That's the reason they gave as to why they don't have it. Which I thought was really interesting, particularly when generally with protection the younger you take it out tends to cheaper yeah the cheaper it tends to be and so it got me thinking about whether we need to do more on 
explaining this to customers, like not in a scaremongering way, but just helping them to understand and factor it into their wider financial goals. And a lot of younger people may have only had experience of car insurance, for example, where it works in a very different way. It will tend to be very expensive when you first take out that insurance. And then over time, as you're building up experience, the insurance the insurer sees there's a, that record there you've got things like the no claims discount that applies and it yeah. reduces the premium and maybe that's in their head they're not maybe it's never been explained to them that protection actually works kind of in the opposite way yeah so I think there is a, a lot more work that we can do there um it's been great to see particularly over the last couple of years a lots of advisors have been taking to social media to try and tap into that market and there's a number of great advisors out there that are seeing real success with that um and I, but I think there is more that could be done as a whole industry in terms of how we market and position um protection the one thing that came out in our qualitative research and this was new for this year so alongside our advisor and consumer survey we had a community of 17 consumers different age ranges they had different kind of perceptions about protection and one of the tasks was they were asked to select a photo that best captured who they think should have protection Mm. and it it fell into two main groups family breadwinners and affluent and educated professionals which when I saw that I was actually quite saddened that people thought that was all that protection was about So I do think there is more that we can do to not just talk about protection as protecting yourself and your family, because that message might not resonate with people, particularly if they're unmarried or they don't have have children themselves. Um, But they they may still be getting a mortgage and and that might be a a way to kind of tailor that message um, to that age group. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think we're kind of also a, a bit against just generally society, aren't we, at the month in the economy? Because isn't it, I, I don't know the average age of uh, somebody who's taking out a mortgage, but like things I see about the place is probably, you know, more towards mid to late 20s, early 30s. In yeah. Some, it's, is that probably right to think that? Yeah, and, I think when I last checked, it is at, at that upper a- end of that 18 to 34 yeah. age range. And it's, and it's quite hard, isn't it? Because one of the key things for all of us, I think, you know, generally, and I mean, obviously I'm 37, so I would say that obviously I don't fall into the younger generation criteria there, which is heartbreaking. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not particularly old or anything like that. And and for me, I obviously I, I was I was getting my mortgage and everything before, really, I was in the insurance space. But it was that kind of thing. Well, I didn't necessarily think of income protection and critical and life insurance because I was like, well, I don't have a mortgage yet. You know, and obviously I, that that's the grown up thing to do. have a mortgage, get the insurance. And and obviously we're trying to get these younger people and engage with them. But they're not even having the opportunity, are they, to sort of, in a sense, probably go up for that kind of social normative behavior of mortgage equals insurance until they're older anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's quite hard. I'm a, a governor for one of the local schools and one of the things I've said to them is, and I'm not saying that all advisors would want to do this, but one of the things I've said is, like, can I get in and do like a light session on, you know, kind of, because they do get banks in in the local schools, which is brilliant. They get them to come in and to sort of like do like the trial things of like build a business, how well is your, how successful is your business going to be and stuff like that. And I was thinking, you know, maybe if we could start doing that. But I, I think that's a key thing for me is that we just 
people it's like with anything isn't it people leave school and then it's just kind of like go forth into the wild you know yeah. we don't really have much <laughs> yeah I don't know if things have changed but when I was kind of at school in sixth form there wasn't much on the curriculum I'm not sure no. whether it has improved at all I don't think so unfortunately no. and it's and it is it's such a key skill to understand you know, even the basics of mortgages pension you know the fact as well with you know pensions you know the fact that they will have to have them you know it's not a it's, there's not a choice about that and just getting them to understand how that all means but um yeah but I yeah. know of some um mortgage advice firms that do kind of surgeries particularly with companies as examples oh, like they, they'll go in and talk about how mortgages work and and so yeah anything that we can do maybe to replicate that with protection I think that's it's a great really, idea really good idea that's brilliant mm. and I know what you said as well about social media I mean that's obviously a, a really important space and, and mm. I know I think I've been a bit quiet on social media recently but I kind of propelled myself into sort of like the industry <laughs> through social media and that's I think how we start, really started to get known quite a bit um, and yeah. you know, it can be an incredibly powerful space to be in. I think, as with anything, though, because I know that and we were maybe going to talk about how sometimes people can feel a bit dubious about, well, is this fee fair? Is this commission yeah. fair? Is this person legitimate? And I think sometimes with social media, we need to be careful with that as well, because I know certainly on some platforms, I've seen some people pop up. And they're not in my space, they're not in protection, but they're in other areas and like especially think investment, Bitcoin and things like mm-hmm. that, all that kind of stuff. And and I'm looking at them thinking, I have no idea if they're legitimate. And obviously the ones where they say some things like, you know, I made $70,000 in a month. Yeah. I'm thinking, no. Yeah, see right thing. through that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that's the thing though, isn't it? Social media can be so wonderful, but then it's also a case of we need to be so careful because we need to make sure that, that people aren't getting the wrong information as well. And yeah, um, I, don't think, lots I don't think there's anything we can do to stop that in some ways. No, I think just with the internet generally and social media, there is a lot of misinformation. So it's, yeah, making sure yeah. you've got a trusted source like like a regulated mortgage advisor where you know that they are regulated by Absolutely. the FCA. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. That's so important. And some mm. of the um, things where I do um, things, like, especially when I do my work with charities, uh, like they'll ask me, I'll sometimes do videos and different things. And one of the things I'll say is how to spot a scam or something or how mm. to make sure you're getting the right advice. And I'm like, make sure, ask this, get the FCA number. And yeah. it's like, even though that's not always a fail safe, it's, it's a good, you know, yeah. it's a good way to get some protection. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> another thing that I know that we were going to come um, and sorry, chat about a bit is that we, I say just a little bit more on that probably a bit more is the fact that people can think that advisors are motivated by commission in the protection space and there's huge debate on this huge debate because and I think what's interesting is that we even get a debate internally within finance as well because there are some people who can't you know obviously people in pension space the investment space they're not allowed to take commissions yeah and then so they can sometimes see commission and protection as something that's a bit well that shouldn't be done but then there are very, very specific reasons why it is still commission-based in the protection space. Um, but we can understand why people can feel a bit suspicious. I mean, what are your thoughts on trying to on trying to kind of address that? I bet it's quite a big question, really. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's one we've been pondering because um, it's a question we've asked over the last three viewpoints. We've asked consumers when your advisor suggested you take protection what did you think the motivation was Mm. and it's really quite well it's probably not surprising 
Um, but it is quite quite saddening, really, that 50% of consumers think that their advisor is motivated by commission rather than ensuring they're financially protected. And this is another stat where we're seeing consistent messages. And we yeah. saw it the first year and thought, okay, this is something to take note of. The second year, right, we need to do something about it. And then we're seeing it again for the third year. And it's like, we can't ignore this. We need to, yeah. to think more about what we can do to tackle this because it's not going to go away. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in terms of, I think, how we can try and move forward on it, I'd say, firstly, it comes back to something that we spoke a lot about following the first year of our viewpoint, which is how advisors are raising protection, particularly as part of the mortgage advice process. Yeah. Um, I think, well, firms have different ways that they raise protection. Um, So it is about, there's no kind of one size fits all, but we have been working with firms to try and get them to think about how it is raised. If it's raised at the end, could it be seen that you're trying to add on or it's just to increase commission? Is there something there with psychology? Um, And some firms have tried to integrate it more into the process, which they've found has been successful because it's not then seen as a surprise yes so I think it's important to really talk about what you're there for as the advisor you're not just there to get them that dream home you are there to also make sure that they can stay in it Um, and I think that that first of all is is an important thing to think about yeah Um, and then the second one I think comes around uh, comes is related to how advisors articulate the value of their advice I think particularly on the mortgage side if a customer is in their new home they can look around and they think okay this is the end product of this advice process and it's not as clear cut as that with protection because you might not need to claim on it if at all so I think there is more to be done about being more confident and setting out this is what this process involves, this is what we're here for. And to link back to our qualitative findings from this year, we asked consumers, the well, the um, community group of 17 individuals, we asked them how they'd start their protection journey. Mm. And a lot of them said they'd go to Google as a first port of call. Yeah. And some of them said they'd use price comparison websites because it can be quite complex. And I was just thinking all of this are things that advisors can help with. Yeah. But maybe the consumers don't necessarily realize that that's what the advisors are there for to to find a tailored solution. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's right. And just thinking like a bit of an offshoot, just what you said that I suppose, like you were saying, like people naturally try and think of it as the same as well. I've experienced car insurance and home insurance, Mm. which with many people using price comparison sites for that kind of thing or travel insurance. So really if you don't if you don't know the insurance industry you know why wouldn't you think oh, i'll just do it straight away online myself the, you know they're not going to understand the complexities of the policies what you actually need to what how to set it up in a really valuable worthwhile way you know and it's certainly something we see in the protection space as well you know we've got the three key routes to protection insurance we've got the price comparison sites we've got the non-advised and we've got the advised and we did um, a podcast about that with people from all those spaces mm. um, a little while ago and what was brilliant and what we said at the time was is that there is a space for all of those routes 
have a very specific space for different people with different needs. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I'm an advisor, so I'm bound to say that you know, I think the advised route is the best route because then people know that they've got that support of the advisor. But I think what you said, the positioning of when you speak about the protection insurance is absolutely key. It's kind of like for me in the protection space when we talk about trusts and putting policies into trust. Yeah. So instead of having it as like that kind of thing of, Oh, I've done this policy. I'm going to now do this document for you. I've tried to sort of train my team to go, right, you know, when we're doing like the very initial kind of, you know, your, your, your close questions, your yes, no kind of thing, right? Um, date of birth, are you a smoker? Are you not a smoker? Right, we're doing life insurance. Who's this going to benefit? Right, can I have their name? Can I have their date of birth? Right, I'm going to put that into a document for you to make sure that, and, mm-hmm. and doing it that way. And yeah. it, it does increase the engagement because, again, it's not a surprise at the end. You know, when we get to the end, everyone's just like, oh, I'm glad I can get away from that because we've just been talking about, especially life insurance, we've just been talking about death. We've just been talking about this. This is so boring. And if we can do our bit to kind of encapsulate it on in one go, that can only be um, a positive thing. And um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, because it's been an in-between episode, it's never a a huge episode when we do these. And um, and obviously we'll chat um, in a little bit about where people can um, access all the reports and everything that you've done and the different discussions. But I think a nice way to round off the podcast would be to get your insights into the mortgage um, industry now. So I I don't do mortgages. I am friends with lots of people on Twitter um, who um, do mortgages. And all I can see all the time is debates about the Bank of England base rates, percentages, fixing, not fixing, um, what people should and shouldn't do. There doesn't seem to be a clear answer because as, as with anything, all advice is debatable in many ways. Yeah. Um, so so what is kind of going on? Can you give us just a, a, a really simplistic sort of like insight as to the mortgage space right now? Yeah, sure. So September and October, I would say, were hectic months. I think things have got a bit calmer now. We are seeing products coming back to the market. And I think people just need to have a sense of balance and perspective because you can get dragged into the headlines. And we have had the recent Bank of England base rate increase to 3%. I think it's important for people to remember that a lot of lenders had already factored this in to their rates. And we are actually seeing some rates um, come down slightly as well. And like you said, um, people have been thinking about, oh, what do I do? Do I uh, act now? I've got a fixed rate mortgage that ends in six months time. And it has meant that advisors have been very busy, which is great because with uncertainty does come the need for people to have that reassurance and understand their options. So advisors have been busy helping customers understand their options. So whether to... Uh, come out of their fixed rate early for ex- uh, fixed rate early, for example, or look at other rate options. Um, so yeah, best summarise it has has been hectic, but with the changes at government, uh, that has seemed to introduce a bit more stability into the market. Okay, then. So so in a sense, not to be too scared. In a sense, we're not having right at this moment. Things aren't looking immensely dire or anything. No, like that. no. There's still products out there. Lenders are still lending. Uh, I think it's important not to get drawn in to try and compare this to the uh, financial crisis that we had 0708 because it is a different situation. Um, so I think people shouldn't panic um, and customers should seek advice, really. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I imagine advice more than ever, especially with the, say, the percentages moving around and doing different things. It's probably, a, yes, as yeah. always, a very, very good idea to get some advice. So then at the end of the podcast so what's um what can people do to hear about um sorry the amy viewpoints um what have is there ways that they can get engaged with amy anything like that yeah so the report can be found on our website and i can share the link uh, yeah. with you afterwards Brilliant. to circulate and you can also watch the event on demand so it's a 30 minute event um, and it's there for anyone to access. So both the report and the event video, it's not just for Amy members. We really want this to be about engaging the whole industry. And yeah. that's why this year we called it the Great Protection Shift. Yes. Because we are trying to think about, we want everyone to play their part, firms, advisors, insurers, even bringing lenders into the conversation as well about what can we do to move things forward. So if anyone wants to discuss any parts of the report with me feel free to find me on LinkedIn send me a message more than happy to discuss um and yeah um it, it's out there so uh please do read and have a think about if you do have your own firm how you can perhaps use the insights as a tool to improve your business absolutely and I think another thing as well is um if you know reach out if you're, if you're a mortgage firm reach out to protection firm and you know share share tips with each other you know I think you know we've got some really lovely people in our industry you've got the PDG group on the um in the protection insurance space yeah. the protection distributors group all great bunch of people always nattering with each other and giving each other sort of like little tidbits and everything so so you know don't I think another thing is you know don't feel like you have to be alone I know there was a bit of a time period where it seemed to be that um so I got the impression that like with mortgage advisors, there was this huge thing of like, you must do protection. And they're kind of just, it seems to just be thrown at them a bit. And it, it seems like a bit uncertain as to what they actually do. And, you know, how do we do this is a big change for us all. And um, there's lots and lots of support out there from the protection space. So don't be afraid to come and have a chat with us. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well thank you everybody for listening and thank you um stacy for coming on and talking no about thank you so much for reports. having me thank oh, you Catherine. absolutely next time um i'll have matt ran back with me and we'll be talking through some high net worth protection insurance policies if you'd like a reminder of the next episode please drop me a message on social media or visit the website practical-protection.co.uk and as always don't forget that if you've listened to this as part of your work you can claim a cpd certificate on the website too thanks to our sponsors the octa members Thank you, Stacey. Bye. Bye.